It's such an honor to be with you today and to be glorifying God today. That's my desire, that we would glorify God in our hearts together, that I would glorify God with my words. Um, I thank you, Katie, for your prayers. I'm just going to say a little prayer to settle my own heart. I just invite you to be with me here. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Lord, I submit to you, and I know that you are good and trustworthy. Be lifted up and glorified, Jesus, today. Amen. Hope comes from trust in God. I know that that seems obvious, but I know that sometimes I feel like understanding will bring hope, that if I can get control of a chaotic situation that I will have hope. And so, given that that is real for me in my flesh, I really think it's important that we focus on the fact that hope comes from trust in God. Go ahead and start the slide here. Um, And we have hope in every situation because God extends his hand into our loss, into our disappointment, into our suffering, anything that we face. The Lord extends his hand to us and says, take my hand, trust me. I'm going to share with you today a part of my story. This part of my story is the most difficult part of my story to often consider or revisit or invite people into. And it's not a part of my story that I often talk about or share, but it is a part of my story that the Lord has used to form me and to teach me that I can have hope when I trust in the Lord. So I invite you to listen to my story and see how I learned how to have hope through trust in God. That's what my story is about. My story is about how God did the work in my life to give me hope, teaching me to take his hand, teaching me to trust his goodness even when I couldn't understand. I want to glorify God by trusting him as we face the painful and difficult things in life together. Often we don't like to talk about suffering or loss because of the questions that come up, because of the emotions that come up. But Jesus is our hope, and suffering is a part of his story. And Jesus came into our pain and our suffering to overcome it and give us hope. So it really is safe when we put our trust in God to face those things together, to look at the loss and the suffering and the pain that often comes in this life. So 
I really believe that God is giving us an invitation, permission in this place of tension, of hope and loss. They're both real in our lives, and we experience disappointment. All of us do. So I just want to give us some permission to go there together, because it's safe. Jesus is our hope, and God is extending his hand and saying, trust in me. It's safe. So the part of my story that I'd like to share with you today and revisit was a period of my life in my late teens and early 20s, between the ages of 17 and 22-ish, 23. And this part of my life, I experienced a lot of trauma and a lot of loss. And the Lord has done such good things for me, even through this. So I'll just share some of the things that happened throughout that season. When I was 17, I was part of a a foursome of best friends. We did everything together. Um, I'm so grateful for those friendships. I am still dear friends with them today. And they're a great source of encouragement for me. One of our friends in that foursome, when we were 17, our junior year in high school, was hit by a car. And she was in the ICU for nine days. And we waited. We didn't know the extent of her injuries. She wasn't conscious, but we didn't know the extent. We knew that there was brain trauma, but we didn't know the extent of her injuries. And I remember the hope that I had that she would come through. And I remember um, sitting by her hospital bed and holding her hand. And I remember her squeezing my hand, and I was convinced that she was in there. She was okay, and she was going to come through. But after nine days in the ICU, she passed away from traumatic brain injuries. And I struggled through an experience of such a close relationship being taken away. That was in March. In May of that year, I was in a car accident. I fell asleep at the wheel. I was driving on the highway and fell asleep at the wheel and I went off the highway down a hill, hit an embankment. My car flew over, hit on the roof as my face smashed against the steering wheel in the roof and my car rolled and I was conscious, but I was in shock. And I remember taking my hand and just feeling my face, trying to figure out what this warm liquid was on my face. And, and I sustained quite a few injuries, and I was tempted to show a picture, but I I decided not to. (laughs) Um, My face didn't look so good. I had a broken nose, a busted up mouth, and I had some, um, I also sustained some brain trauma. And over the next few months, I was in the midst of loss, of this friend of mine and grappling with how to get through the 
the sorrow, the lament of loss and how to go on. And then I began to struggle with my own, the fragility of humanity, my own limitations. And I recovered over the next few months. And a couple years later, when I was 20, I moved to Texas. My sister lived there, and in my youth, I was, I was a traveler. I moved at least every year to a different state or a different country, so it was just for no other reason than to, to be on the adventure in, 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 at that young age and move to a new place. And, but I didn't know anyone um, except my sister, and I met some people at work that I became friends with, hung out with, and the friends that I made were not trustworthy. I learned later that these friends were not trustworthy, did not have my best interest in mind. I was deceived. I was violated and I was sexually assaulted. And it's a painful thing to remember. But I know that it's a common experience that many people go through. And there is hope. And there is time for lament and grieving. But my story is one of hope. And in those times, in, in that period of my life, it got really dark, and it got so twisted and turned upside down. The truth, my faith, my emotions, the kind of betrayal and... the experience of being unsafe in that way really traumatized me. And I began to face things that I had never faced before. I was characterized as someone that was fearless. And in that time in my life, I started experiencing deep fear. Fear of being alone, fear of the dark, fear of demonic presence. I had dreams, demons were in my dreams. It was. It was a very scary, very scary time. And I was also a really happy person in my youth and growing up as a child and in my teenage years. And, and I started experiencing anger that I had never known. And anger doesn't quite capture it. I would say rage is a better word to describe what I was experiencing. And I tried, I ended up moving back to Oregon to be around the support of my parents and my friends. And I remember the things that I tried to do as I was grappling to cope in this struggle. And I tried writing poetry, and it was really dark. I was just trying to get this bad out. I was trying to get it out of me, and I didn't 
know how. And I often didn't know how to turn to God. And I'm so grateful for the encouragement of those around me, friends, family. But often when I didn't know how to turn to God, I, I tried to put my hope in something else. I tried to get this bad out of me, try to cope with this fear and this rage in ways that, that didn't produce hope, that didn't bear fruit in me. I turned to trying to cope by starving myself and harming myself, and it, it was just a tumultuous time. And I remember a particular story that characterizes what I was going through in that time, and the, and the step that, the, the part of the journey that helped me to go on a journey of a process of healing. And there was this one particular night where I was laying in my bed, lights were off, I was going to sleep, and I was overcome with fear. And I, I felt, I couldn't see this in the natural, but I felt like the darkest presence around me. And I didn't know what to do. And I tried to pray. And I couldn't pray. And so I called my mom. And I said, Mom, I'm so afraid. And she asked, did you try praying? And I said, I can't say his name. She just gently, without condemning me, said, you can't say Jesus, honey. You can't say the name of Jesus. And I just whimpered, no. And without condemning me, she just took my hand. Symbolically, she wasn't there with me. She was on the phone, and she must have struggled so much and felt so hopeless that her baby was suffering. And she couldn't even hold me physically. But she believed in the power of Jesus. She believed in the power of his name, and she believed in the peace and, and the hope that his name brings. And so she just prayed over me. When I couldn't pray, and I didn't have the words, she didn't condemn me, she just took my hand, and she turned to Jesus. And as I became more peaceful and that darkness felt like it left, I joined in the prayer and I turned on worship music. And I'm so grateful for the help that the Lord gave me and that there was hope even in the times when I couldn't even say his name. And so I began to go on a journey of healing and it was slow and up and down and back and forth and I leaned on others and I leaned on Jesus and <clears throat> that was when I was 22 <coughs> and in the springtime my mom started having symptoms she was sick and we couldn't figure out what was wrong with her she was having 
um, neurological symptoms and um, muscular lack of control with their muscles. And it was just this mystery of what is wrong with mom. And we went to every hospital in town and, um, <coughs> excuse me. And that was in the spring when this started. And we were all training for our, our annual family relay run that we did every year, the Hood to Coast. And I remember going on a, a training run with her when she could barely walk. She w didn't have very good balance, and I would kind of let her lean on me, and we walked down the, the gravel road near my parents' house. And so she, she significantly got worse, and we didn't know what was wrong. And in October, we ended up at the research hospital in Portland, Oregon, where, where I'm from. And we received a diagnosis. In October, by the time, by this time, she couldn't speak and she couldn't swallow. And we were given a diagnosis that was an incurable disease. It's hard to know what to share about this part of the story. Because at the time, I was filled with hope. I was convinced that she would be healed. I took care of her. We, t we decided to take her home at that time in October when we got the diagnosis. And my sister and I took care of her full time. And I remember putting her running shoes on because I had read about the muscle atrophy that could happen in bed rest and foot drop. And I, as I was fasting every week and praying for her healing, I don't know why I thought that God would heal the incurable disease and not the muscle atrophy, but I wanted to do my part. <laughs> and I put her shoes on every day and I partnered with the Lord. And on December 31st of that year, she passed away. And about the next six years of my life were really dark. And it felt like I didn't have any hope. I struggled to trust God because I couldn't understand how God is good and yet he took the best thing in my life, the person that shows me that he is good. And I didn't know what I was doing at the time. I was just floundering. But when I look back, I can see that I had set the boundaries in my life and I had said, I love God, I trust God, He is my Lord, He is good, inside these boundaries. And outside of that, I don't know if He's good. And so when I lost the woman that had helped form my identity and had taught me about hope, and showed me how God is good. The person that I looked up to most in my life, I didn't know at the time, but I had put my identity in her. I was still growing up. I had put my hope in her. I had a joyful expectation of the life that we were going to share together, that I would continue to get to learn from her. And so... I really struggled to trust in God's goodness because at that time I felt like I couldn't do it without understanding 
without understanding how this could be, and yet he is good. And so for years, it was very difficult. I remember in the first year, I was living with these best friends from high school that I had mentioned earlier, Aaron and Melissa, and um, I remember them coming home one day and they were just like, hey, we're home, and I didn't answer, and then they were kind of went over toward my bedroom. I said, I'm in here, and they came in and they found me just crumpled on the floor crying, and I was just in my closet, and I just, I just kept saying, I want my mom. I want my mom. That's what I want. And at that moment, the Lord was extending his hand. He was saying, trust me, I'm with you. And I thought that understanding would bring me hope. And so I resisted. I said, I don't know how to trust you. I don't know that you're good. But he kept his hand extended, and he was with me. How often does God give us something and we take it and we put it before him? How often does the gift from God become an idol? And I feel like the Lord is inviting us to ask that question. Do we need to repent from idolatry? How do we keep our hope in him and not in the gifts that he's given us? Good things, right? Relationships, children, spouses, our church community, the family of God, all these good things that point to him and display his goodness. And I think in my testimony, there is an invitation for some of us to repentance. Because how often do we question God's goodness when our circumstances are difficult? Why? Right? That's such a common question. If I just understand why, that will bring me hope. Then I will know how God is good in this situation. This is because our flesh fights against the spirit. And we just have to repent. And just like in my story, and I just want to share a little bit about this picture that you see behind me. This is a part of my journey, my story. Um, One of my best friends, Melissa, that I had mentioned is an artist. And when I was grieving, she gave me some art supplies. And she was hoping that I would heal by drawing, 
and I was very skeptical. I'm not an artist, I don't have skills of drawing and all these things. But every once in a while, I picked it up. And when I didn't have words, I would draw a picture. This is one of the pictures that I drew. And this is me in this dark, clouded place, standing on just harsh, rocky ground in this gray world that I felt like I was in that was hopeless. And I was turning away with my hand toward this invitation, but as you can see, the Lord's hand is an invitation into his trust that gives us eternal hope, that gives us living hope. And even though I was turned away and my hand is, is toward the Lord saying, I don't know if I can trust you. If I could just understand or have some answers, then maybe I would, I would have hope in that. And so I struggled through that challenge. That was my, my challenge in trusting God, in finding hope. And yet, his hand is there. The invitation is there. And as my flesh was fighting against that invitation, thinking maybe my hope would come from understanding, I just consider a couple of these scriptures that address that challenge. Like when we face something that we don't understand and it hurts, or we lose something that's precious to us, what is God's goodness in this? How do we, how do, we do this? Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We are to glory in our sufferings because Suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This passage speaks to an eternal promise of good that God has offered us, that we can hold on to in a world where we face loss. Every time our circumstances challenge our trust in God's goodness, we have an opportunity to take his hand, to trust in him. James 1, 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. We are to rejoice, even glory in our suffering, because it strengthens us as the Lord produces faith and hope in us that strengthens us. But how do we do this? We find the answer all throughout scripture over and over and over again. Take my hand, 
trust in me, my dear child. I am good and I care for you. That's what the Lord says to us. That's how we do it. Our hope in any situation comes from trusting in God. Whether we're facing disappointment or even if we're enjoying a dream gift from the Lord. If we put our trust in him, we will not be put to shame. We are made for dependence on God. Sorry, just trying to move the slide. Oh, sorry. Um, I think this is, I meant to look at this earlier, but th this was just another um, picture that I drew in the early, um, early days of grieving. And this, this world that I felt like I was in, this new reality, was so confusing and dark and scary. And, and my mom is passed away. My mom is not with me anymore. But with me is this reality, that she got sick and she died. And I didn't know I didn't have words to pray. I didn't know what I was doing. This was not like an intentional, you know, profound communication through picture. I just drew. And I had no face in this picture. I didn't know what my identity was. I felt lost. I didn't know where to put my hope, right, my identity. I couldn't see my reflection. And out here is this world that is so foreign to me now. And I don't know how to go out and live in it. Everything is a different color. And the ground feels scary and safe and unstable. And I didn't know how to keep going, how to put my trust in the Lord. And what was happening is that my, my flesh was fighting with the Spirit. And Jesus didn't condemn me. Jesus was with me in this time. These, this, this is a prayer. This is my cry of suffering. This is the Holy Spirit in me praying through me when I didn't have words. And in this time, there was a battle there was a battle between my flesh and the spirit. The spirit of God in me, the promise of hope that I have. And yet, in my struggle, the doubt became, became so big that there was this struggle. And the Lord fought for me. Romans 8, 6 through 11 talks about this battle with the flesh and the spirit. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. 
The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives you life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. I know that in my testimony, in my story, it may not be relatable in the ways that these things happen to me and maybe those things happen to you. But my story is one of hope. My story is one of being knocked down again and again. And that pain helped me to see where my hope was. And when I was weak and I was down, the Spirit of God was in me. Jesus was with me, fighting for me, praying, interceding for me. Trust in our Heavenly Father bears fruit. Trust bears fruit. We're made for dependence on Him. And often when we face a challenge, we are faced with an opportunity to put our trust in God and His goodness. Or like me, we may struggle in that place. But in that place, the Lord is fighting for us if we have the Spirit of God in us. And the Lord's hand is extended to us. And for me, it was waiting. It was waiting for me to say, I trust you. My hope is in you. And I still have questions and I don't understand but you are good. And when I took the Lord's hand and said, you are good, it brought life to my brokenness. It brought healing in my journey. Jesus was with me all through those days when I said, I don't know if I can trust you. And I, I lamented, I cried, I struggled. The answers we think we want from God about our pain are found in trust. Christ's answer in our loss, in our suffering, is the cross. Christ is with us in our pain. Christ ran to our suffering. He entered our suffering to overcome it, to give us hope. That's his answer. I'm here with you, suffering with you. You're not alone. 
that's what Jesus did for me when I couldn't even speak his name. You're not alone, I'm with you. The Holy Spirit's answer is to live inside of us, to testify to our spirit that we are loved, that we belong to the Heavenly Father. The Holy Spirit groans, intercedes for us on our behalf when we don't have the words to pray. That's the Holy Spirit's answer to our questions. And I would challenge anyone that may relate to that experience of thinking answers or understanding will bring me hope. I, I love God, I trust God, but I, but I just don't know. I need to understand this. Why? Why have I lost this thing that's so precious to me? When we don't know what to do and we don't have the answers or even know what words to pray, we have the guarantee of the hope that is to come in God's good promise of the Holy Spirit living in us, helping us in our weakness, interceding for us, reminding us constantly that we are God's beloved children. And I hope that in my story, I would just say this. When I talked to my husband about this, and he was there the whole time, we weren't married in all these years of, he knew my friend Shauna that was hit by a car. He saw all of these things, and when I say, how do I draw out and how do I not make it about my story or the things that happened to me or the pain or the suffering or specific examples that people might not relate to? How do I glorify God and show that my story is one of hope? And it makes me emotional to think about it, but his response is, you're alive. And I want to take some time to invite us in together <clears throat> to allow the Lord to minister to us if we are in a place that we need to repent. And I would just encourage you and remind you that there is no shame, there is no condemnation. I took years in a bad place trying to say, I don't know if you're good. And God's invitation is there. God's invitation is there. Take my hand, trust me. And at any moment, we get to repent. At any moment, we can say, okay, I give it to you. I don't understand. I have questions. I give it to you. But also, I don't want to gloss over the years of grieving and being in a pile on the floor and relying on friends and asking others to pray for me when I didn't know what to pray, and just drawing a picture, letting the cries of my suffering be the prayers of the Spirit in me when I didn't know what to do. I didn't have the answers. And so I want, 
I want to take some time to allow us to um, allow the Holy Spirit to minister to our hearts and bring us healing. And we might be in a place where we just need to make space to lament. And we need others to be with us in that. And we need the Holy Spirit to intercede for us because we don't know what to pray. And we might be in a space where we need to repent. And we need to choose to trust God's goodness without the answers. But before I go into that, I just want to share a really brief story that that I think is a story of hope and a story of joy and a story of trusting in God. And it happened just as I was preparing for this talk. I haven't looked at some of the pictures that I shared with you, the artwork that I drew. I haven't looked at them in a while, and I don't pull them out very often, but the Lord has invited me into a journey to revisit some of these things. And it's such a beautiful thing to revisit the pain and the suffering with so much hope, with such a lens of hope. I'm just spontaneously gonna share a text with you that I, I think maybe communicates this well. My precious, treasured friend, Lauren Stanky, was checking in on me frequently as I was preparing for the talk, saying, how are you doing? I'm praying for you. And the other day, this was my response. It's going well. I'm sitting by the window working in the sun shining, working with the sun shining and the cool breeze coming in the window. As I revisit the story full of so much pain in that season of life through the lens of hope, I feel like laughing at the wimpy attempts of the enemy to destroy me. <laughs> it felt so impossible to survive at the time. And my faith that God's powerful hand was keeping me safe was so small. But look at me now. I could never imagine this future. At peace, in hope, set in God's family, growing, thriving, serving, receiving. And there's still an eternal hope to come that we can trust will overshadow anything in this life. Our Father is so glorious. And so, and so the, the sh just really quick, like one minute story I wanna share about as I was preparing for this teaching, I, I, I had to go, where am I, where's the art? I wanna take a picture and share it. I felt like the Lord wanted to use the image to represent what he's inviting us into. Take my hand, trust me, I'm good and I care for you. And so I pulled this out and I had to get my stepladder and go to my closet and go to the top shelf of my closet. And, and as I was getting out the box to, that had the art book in it that has this, this, these drawings in it, I'm standing on the stepladder and I just pause and I'm looking at the top shelf of my closet in that place that's just out of reach 
from my daily life. And it's filled with tangible representation of loss. It's memories of my mom, writing that I did during this time. There are baby gifts for a baby that I have not yet had, including one for my mom. I don't understand. I don't understand how God is good, and I don't have children, and I want that, and I have questions. But the hope that the Lord formed in me in the darkest years gives me so much confidence in his goodness that I don't know when it's coming, and I don't know how, but I know it's coming. I know that his goodness surrounds me all the days of my life, even when I don't understand, even when I, when I have questions. And so I stood there and I looked at this loss and I started to cry and then I just started to laugh. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is such a tragedy. Like, look at my life. <laughs> but yet I am thriving and I have joy and I have relationships of people that lift me up when I doubt. And I have a good God who has given me so many promises about his love for me. He's given me not only Jesus to come into my suffering and overcome it to give me hope, but he's also given me the spirit so that every day when I'm challenged and the flesh wants to fight against the spirit, the spirit fights for me. When I am weak, the spirit overcomes, the spirit rises up. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Do not be afraid, you worm Jacob. Little Israel, do not fear, for I myself will help you, declares the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Psalm 73, 20, 23 and 24, the whole passage, I would just encourage you if you're in this moment and the Lord's ministering to you to go to Psalm 73. But verse 23 and 24 says, Yet I am always with you. You hold me by your right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into your glory. This is our hope. I know that I am confident that the story that God has given me glorifies him, and I know that it's been for my good, that it has strengthened me. 
But in those times when I didn't know that, and I had such a hard time seeing that, I was in deep lament. And some of us here today may be in that place. We may be in that place where we're just still struggling with why. Is there something else that I can hold on to that will give me hope? And we don't condemn you. Jesus didn't condemn me. He offered his hand and he was with me. He's offered his life. He's offered his spirit. He's offered everything. And so I hope that we can come around those who are lamenting and those who are in a place that say, I don't know what to pray. Maybe you need someone to pray for you. Maybe you need to go to someone's house for dinner and just not be alone. Whatever it is that you need, it's okay to reach out. There were plenty of things that I thought I needed and I asked for and I didn't get, but the Lord always met me through friendships, people who loved him, through his very spirit. And so I would just encourage us all to honor that place of lament, that it's, it's okay to cry. We don't have to rush through that. I mean, I'm always struck by the story when, when Lazarus died that Jesus cried before he rose him from the dead. I mean, there's some mystery that Jesus isn't, Jesus isn't saying, okay, just your hope is in me, so let's get on with it. He's coming into us into the place where we're at. And so I'll just leave some quiet space here to ask the Lord um, some questions that might help us. Do I need to repent and choose trust? Maybe we're in that place. Or do I need to lament and let the Spirit intercede for me? And either way, it's about trusting in him. It's about taking his hand, no matter how desperately or how fumbling and messy it looks. There is hope when we take his hand, when we trust in him. And I wanna pray for you as you consider the question, am I choosing what leads to life? Am I choosing trust in God, dependence on the spirit? which is what we were made for? Or am I choosing what leads to death? My own knowledge and understanding, control of the situation, anger toward God, rejecting him for my circumstances. And if you're in that place, there is no condemnation, there is no shame because it's not our righteousness that we have hope in. It's the righteousness of Christ. So we get to take it freely. We get to turn to him at any moment. His hand is extended for us. And so if you feel comfortable just getting in a posture to receive, maybe close your eyes, just listen to the spirit. You don't have to listen to my prayers, but I wanna pray over us today. Holy Spirit, we thank you. Lord, we ask for the revelation of the gift that the Spirit of God in us is. We thank you, Lord, that your hand is extended out to us, that you are saying, take my hand, trust me, I care for you. 
Lord, I ask for the grace for us to say yes to taking your hand. Holy Spirit, I ask that you administer to our hearts wherever we're at. And if we feel so strong and set in hope and full of joy, would you move our hearts in compassion to turn to those that need a helping hand, that need an embrace, that need an encouraging word, that need us to say that you are good and our testimony is that you are good and you've given us hope. And Lord, I ask that you would give us patience as we embrace lament, as we willingly step into the safety of your arms and stand in this place of tension between hope and loss. And Jesus, we can just look to you. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for coming into our loss and our pain. In Jesus' name, amen. And you are welcome to come up for prayer. We're going to have prayer ministers that can come up here. You are welcome to come up for prayer and ask for prayer. You are welcome to ask for a blessing, an encouraging word, if you just don't know what to do. Let's just honor the Lord today by saying yes to his extended hand to us. And say, Lord, I'll take your hand. Whatever my story, I'll take your hand and trust you. And like I said, we'll have the prayer ministers up here, but should we, Lord's Prayer. Yeah, go ahead and stand up and take a hand next to you and we'll say the Lord's Prayer together. And after we say the Lord's Prayer, I would just encourage you to allow this space to be a sacred space for those that are in a vulnerable place and need prayer and let it be quiet and maybe visit out, out there in the foyer hallway. So we will say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom.